Hello. How are you doing tonight? I'm good. How are you doing? Good. Am I hot? A little bit. Am I low or am I? I don't know what I am. Oh, I'm my volume. Let me look up mine here. I wonder if it's because my speaker's kind of close to my mouth. Might be. Might be. Is that better? Yep. Okay, good. good. Yes, ma'am. Well, did you have a busy day today? You know, it was kind of busy. It wasn't too bad. Um, it was um, pretty, kind of pretty dead for a Monday for the most part. So that was good. How was your Monday? Super busy, but it was good. Um, because it kept me from being too sleepy, you know, after time changed, especially the spring one, it always really tack exhaustion level or something. I don't know exactly what it is, but the spring one where you lose an hour mm-hmm. just seems like every year I just feel like on Monday through Thursday, <laughs> the week after, <laughs> but today I actually was so busy and I had so much going that I didn't feel too tired. I, you know, there was a couple times it hit me where I was like, Oh, I need a nap. And then when you said it was national nap day earlier, when we were talking, I was like, mm, man, I'm missing it. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's probably why I'm so tired today too. I was like, why am I so tired today? But I forgot it. There was a time change. Yes. Yes. Always, man, who, who had the bright idea to, to mess with daylight savings time anyways? I don't something to them if they're still alive (laughs) (laughs) something (laughs) who wants who wants dark days in the winter right (laughs) and then to go through a time change in march (laughs) seriously that is true when it's still cold and rainy outside (laughs) for sure i'm with you there for sure for sure so well um, I, Sarah, I hate to tell you this, but you're cutting in and out. So are you in a good Wi-Fi area? Um, it's over. Sometimes I don't know why, but a lot of wind. Okay. And when the wind blows, we are, we live up on a hill and sometimes it causes our Wi-Fi to cut in and out. So I'm going to switch over to my data and see if that'll. Okay. Cause it gets that thing where it makes you sound like you're a robot. Is that better? Yes. Okay. Maybe that'll help. Yeah. I think okay. that's much better. Good. Okay. So, because you were, it kept kind of going in and out, you know, where you get that robot sounding thing going on. Yes. Yes. And so, what's if it does it again, let me know. I'll move from the spot I'm in. I'm at my desk, actually, but I can move into the kitchen because sometimes I get better reception in there. So, okay. Are you um, at the church tonight or are you at your house? Well, I was going to the church. I was going back to the church because I had rushed over after we had we had ladies prayer and devotion tonight. And then we did some Sunday school prep and then I came home. But Joe was still in a meeting with. um, And so I was like, "Ah, I'm going to go back to the church. But they wrapped it up right before we had gotten together to record. So. Oh, cool. So you could. I decided to stay here in my comfy house. (laughs) That's cool. That makes it nice. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. My poor husband, I feel your pain. We didn't realize, I thought I had taken a picture and noted what night we were on church clean. And I thought I had signed us up for May and Daniel told me about 445. Did you sign us up for church clean this week? And I said, no, I thought it was May. He said, well, I got a text today that we're on church clean. So he's Uh being, he's being the good husband and went to church clean while I'm podcasting. So, <laughs> Oh, God bless him. I know. He is. We have good husbands, don't we? Girl, I'm telling you, we are very blessed. Did you say that again? <laughs> we just have me. amazing honeys. <laughs> yes, we do. We sure do. And God I blessed us. That. I mean that from the bottom I do of my too. Heart. Me too. My I'm honey, so thankful. Man, I can't get started on that because I could talk about him all night. 
<laughs> well, we could do a podcast about how we um, could encourage our husbands, and that was a good thing. <laughs> that might be a future podcast. Absolutely, because I'll tell you what. <laughs> My husband, can you hear him? I can. He said, could you say that again, please? Could you say that a little louder for the people in the back? <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell oh you what, when you have a good one, you don't take them for granted because I'll tell That's you. That's exactly right. And especially take when take good care of them yes. and don't expect them to do everything for you. Ooh, we're getting on a side note and I feel Ooh, the spirit. Girl, it's the truth, <laughs> right? It's I mean teammate. Teamwork. Yes. That literally is just man, Daniel Huge. is he's he is a keeper, that's for sure. I really love him and I really appreciate him because he and I, I he and I, we really, because we were both so involved in church work and ministry, you know, we, we kind of um, bounce off of each other. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. if I'm doing a piece of work and something at the house needs done, he does the house thing that needs done. And then if I'm working at the house and, or he's working at the work and, and Aaron needs run, ran, run. Ran, run, DMC. <laughs> one or the other. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I got so confused there. <laughs> then I do the running. Okay, we've got That's to right. the marriage thing for another night. Getting yeah. all tongue tangled here. So, <laughs> <laughs> yes, ma'am. <laughs> oh my goodness, <laughs> that would be a good one though. Maybe we could do that one when it's well. We should have done around Valentine's Day, but that's okay. We can we could do it around Father's Day. That'd be a good one to do around Father's Day. Talk yeah. about taking good care of our husbands. That's true because sometimes they get to taking care of everybody else and we forget to take care of them. So very true. So very true. So, okay. Tonight we're going to talk about one of my favorite subjects. <laughs> Mine too, actually. (laughs) I hope everybody will enjoy coming along with us. And we're thankful that everybody is joining us. And welcome to the Elder Girls podcast. And we're going to just visit and talk about good, wholesome reading. And Sister Barbara Westberg had suggested this as a podcast because she had asked me to help her out with setting up and getting some guidelines and some structure for a school library for their Christian school in Pueblo, Colorado. And so I put together just some things that I had kind of gathered here and there over the years, Anna, Mm -hmm. and typed it all up for her and sent it to her. And she said, Sarah, we need to get this out to all the Christian schools. And we also need to do a podcast on good reads and just some reading, wholesome reading. So I thought that'd be something fun. I love to read and I know you love to read and you're a fabulous reader. You're even quicker than me. Um, And Antonia, of course, has got it naturally. So (laughs) I think that's something that, and I think we got it naturally because mama's always loved to read and mama has pretty much educated herself through reading a yes, lot. Yeah. So, um, I just love books. <laughs> I do too, <laughs> To girl. be quite honest, I love books. I love I the Bible too. and I love books, good, clean, wholesome books. I am with you a hundred percent. Can I quit my so. job and read? <laughs> oh man, don't you wish you could get one of those jobs where you did read and you Ooh. had to evaluate books, I think is what they call it. I need and to then do, do like what they call them articles or surveys or something on them where you actually tell if it's a good read or not. You could always become an um, influencer on Instagram with books. So that seems to be the going theme. Yes. Some retirement thoughts. (laughs) If anybody wants to hear what I have to say at retirement. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) I love to read. So I think this is going to be a fun conversation. Yes. Well, um, if you don't mind, Anna, I'll just kind of start off with what I gave to Sister Westberg. I won't read the whole thing, but I gave her like seven of my top reading guidelines that I use and practice myself personally. Mm -hmm. And I'll just mention them one at a time and then maybe we can kind of discuss it. If we run out of time, we can pick it up another day or finish it out or whatever. And then 
um, if at the end of the podcast, I can send you a copy of this and then we can post a link to it or whatever, if people would like to get it, or you can tell a little bit about what we've been talking about with um, starting our blog. Sounds good. And we'll go from there. Sounds good. Let's do it. Okay. So my number one um, guideline that I gave is, is the content clean? Is it full of wholesome language and moral or Christian principles? And so that is one of the biggest and most important, I think, in my personal life Mm -hmm. that I'm very, very adamant about when I'm looking in for a good read. Yeah, I like that. I think that is very important. And especially because you're making this libguide, well, whether you were making it for adults or kids, but in the context of what you were creating it for a school and Mm -hmm. a Christian school at that, I think that's very important because, you know, you can bring things in that, that we think are wholesome, but nowadays you just don't know. So you have to be so careful if, and, and that goes for inspirational writers and non-inspirational writers anymore. Absolutely. You know, so yes, you can't take for granted that something's going to be plain and wholesome, mm-hmm. you know, and yes. that it's going to have wholesome language. In right. It. So true. And <clears throat> what, excuse me, what people consider that are not in the church or that don't believe quote unquote in God or the one true God, what they might consider clean and what we might consider clean is worlds apart And so I think it's extremely important as um, especially if we're teachers or we're librarians or um, just even mentors, even in a youth group, if we're referring a book to somebody that we're very, very careful to make sure, first of all, that we read it. And I don't mean just read the front or the index or just read the last chapter. Right. Um, I think we should read it cover to cover to make sure before we encourage it to a youth or a child or use it as a teaching tool. Absolutely. <clears throat> that we know exactly what's in it before we ever promote it. Absolutely. And the part too about whether it has biblical or godly principles in it, you know, um, I hate to say it, but nowadays there's a lot of, there are a lot of Christians, quote unquote, mm-hmm. that are, that are throwing their support <laughs> and their, um, their influence behind ungodly things. Yes. And some of them are singing songs, they're making music, they're writing <laughs> books. And so I think that, um, I know that Jesus loves everybody, but I think that we need to make sure that if our children are being exposed to it, it definitely has godly principles and it has key foundational concepts, morals, and doctrines that are 100% based on the word of God and not on somebody's personal ideologies. Absolutely. So I I think that's very important and I think that's good. Yes, me too. Number two, um, my second guideline that I usually go with <clears throat> in teaching um, and reading for myself in allowing Antonia to read as my daughter is what can be taught or learned from reading this book, even if it is an enjoyable read. And the reason I put that in there is because I feel like that when we're reading, even if it's an enjoyable book. And what I mean by enjoyable is even sometimes if it's just fluff, Mm -hmm. um, you know, that we should still be learning something from that book. Uh, Here's an example. So I know everybody doesn't believe in reading Christian romance or whatever, you know, or even romance and whatever your pastor teaches and preaches, that's what you should go by. But I, I have no personal conviction about reading a good, very clean Christian romance with a well-written plot, but I make sure if I'm going to read that, that it's either teaching a Christian character or a principle. And even if it's not Christian, just a good moral principle. Absolutely. Um, Or it's teaching something about history 
Mm -hmm. Uh, For instance, I just read a romance uh, written by a Christian author that was teaching about the era of the orphan train children and how that the orphan train was um, just used for more than just sending children to homes. And it was amazing. It had such good historical points in it. And I thoroughly enjoyed it because you know, you hear about the orphan train, although nowadays, who knows with the secular schools, what's being taught as history, because obviously the real history of America is not being taught. You can see that our country's going. Um, But so I do make sure that even if it's just an enjoyable book, I'm learning something or I'm going to have a good character, principle, moral lesson that I can use to teach, even if it's silly and crazy and off the wall for little littles. Yes. I love reading those kinds of books to the littles, but Absolutely. I want to make sure there's something they can learn in that book. Yes. And a good <clears throat> author, I think, puts a moral in yes. things. You know, if, and I know Dr. Seuss is super controversial right now, of course, for mm-hmm some of the dumbest reasons ever. Well, maybe uh-huh. I shouldn't say that. That might be offensive to somebody. I apologize if you find that offensive, but I've, I don't, I just don't want to get into a bunch of political stuff, but um, he taught things through what he was writing. Now yes. his ideologies were not always necessarily maybe something that every single person agreed with. Obviously we can tell now with the cancel culture thing going on. But um, so he wrote, he wrote the book and I cannot remember what it was about. Um, I can't, I remember what it was about, but I can't remember the title of it. That was talking about, you know, taking care of the earth. Truffle, the truffle trees, the truffle trees. So was that the title of the book? I believe so. Um, I know it had the truffle trees in it, but I couldn't remember what the title was. Uh, Maybe not. I think it was, uh, the title wasn't that. You're right. It was just, it had the truffle trees in it. Right. But there was a moral in it of taking care of the earth. And Mm -hmm. so even in his silliness, he put a moral in the book. Yes. uh, Or he put a principle in the book, I guess Mm -hmm. you could say. And so I think that a good author, even though there might be silliness, in the book, there's still a moral to the story, typically. Right. So I think that's very good that that um, whoever's guiding the children to read, a librarian, a teacher, a parent, or whatever, that's something good to instill because reading is education. So very if we so. don't guide them on what to look for to take away from the book, then, you know, who knows what they'll take away from it. So isn't that the truth? Mm-hmm. And, you know, personally, I don't have a convention, a conviction, sorry, not a convention, <laughs> <laughs> a conviction against um, Dr. Seuss. I'm glad you brought him up because this kind of goes with my next um, point or guideline. I love using Dr. Seuss to teach the littles and even some people that are just learning to read as adults mm-hmm. because he had such a way with words and rhymes and rhythms mm-hmm. that made it stick in the Absolutely. child's brain mm-hmm. or whoever was reading it mm-hmm. that it really made you ponder. And it also was fabulous yeah. for creating um, a vocabulary For children and even for adults just learning to read. And believe it or not, I taught an English as a second language class when I moved back from Colorado Springs years ago. And I used some of his stuff. And my class of adults absolutely loved the books I used to teach that of Dr. Seuss because it totally made learning fun for them. And an interesting thing about him as an author... I know right now the controversy is that he was being racist or he was being discriminatory or unequitable or whatever the case might be. But I think it's all in how you look at things. Cause I, as a child, I don't ever remember thinking that one single time. Of course it was, that wasn't a big conversation in that part of our life. We knew racism and stuff like that existed back then, but it wasn't Mm -hmm. like we were looking for it behind every corner and under every rug, but it was, when I read Dr. Seuss as a child, honestly, I felt like it was inclusive. Looking back, yes. that wouldn't have been the word that I would have used as a child because I didn't even know right. what inclusive meant. 
Now I haven't done right. a huge bit of research into Dr. Seuss and his theories of life and philosophies and his worldview or whatever. But as mm-hmm. a child, I remember reading his book thinking, Oh, there's people from all over the world in these books. This is cool. Like yes, I felt absolutely as a child, I felt, you know, the one with the hot air balloons. I can't even remember all the names of them tonight, but um, mm-hmm. there was one with hot air balloons and it was like, they were traveling around the world in it. And it always made me want to travel around. And, oh, the places you'll go. Oh, the places I you'll loved go, that you know? one. And yes. I thought, man, you can travel the world. This is very cool. Yes. And I loved the one about, and it wasn't even really a Dr. Seuss book. It was part of the Dr. Seuss library. It was about the fish. And I, like I oh, said, yes. I'm, I'm terrible. I cannot remember the title of it, but it was about the fish that <laughs> outgrew the fishbowl. So they put him in the bathtub Yes, and he outgrew the bathtub. And that yes. was one of my favorite books, just because the imagination of that huge fish. You know? And the lesson with that one, Anna, was to obey instructions. Right. Because to follow the child instructions. Fed the fish too much food. <laughs> yes. He was only supposed to feed him a pinch and no more. Yes. <laughs> I still remember that book because yes. it was so enjoyable. That was one of us. our favorite ones, you know. So, anyway, <laughs> I think that I'm, I think the parents are the ones who can help create the correct worldview around what children are reading when you talk about that. So, I think it's important. I that, totally um, agree. The parents are the ones who are going to create the atmosphere of what a child receives from something not indoctrinating them like oh this is what you should get out of that book but just creating the worldview that a child's going to take away from their reading experience or student or even a teacher from a student's going to take away from the reading experience I'm glad you said that Anna because I'm going to bring a point out right here Um, and I don't like to use Antonia all the time, but you know, she's taking that step ahead program where Mm -hmm. she's doing some college stuff Mm -hmm. as well as her high school stuff and earning dual credits. Mm -hmm. And she's in English comp too. And they have had her reading poems and readings and they're just atrocious. And her teacher has totally been indoctrinating, trying to indoctrinate and thank God she's doing this at home. So we have the opportunity, Joe and I, as her parents to have major awesome discussions with her right? about they pick apart every single sentence yes. and every single thought. And it is the art and the lesson that they're teaching our young people across America and really probably across the world is to logic everything out mm-hmm. and to pick it apart mm-hmm. and to put meaning there where there is not really even meaning. Right. And so how important is it as parents that we are there for our children and when they come and say, mom, I read this, whatever, da, 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 that we really stop whatever we're doing and we engage in that conversation. Oh, absolutely. Because what an opportunity to bring in a lesson from the biblical point of view or a lesson that's just a good moral lesson or whatever Yes. and ask questions. You know, sometimes we'll say, well, Antonia, what do you think? Mm -hmm. Do you think that's something that's really even worth discussing or is it a point that they should even be hashing out? Mm -hmm. You know, so it's a great conversation starter. And I think that's important that we do that, especially with our teenagers. Oh yes. I love that because basically what she's doing is literary analysis. And so, and you know, we do that in the word of God. You do exegetical studies where you're pulling things out. You're extracting things from the scripture and you're researching Mm -hmm. them. But then there's some things that the Bible says that it just says, thou shalt not kill. I don't have to like analyze that to death. (laughs) You know, know? yes. And if (laughs) the poem said there was a cow on the wall, it probably meant there was a cow on the wall. <laughs> Looking at the cow on my dining room wall right now. <laughs> right, literary so, analysis so here. you don't have to analyze to death. I mean, if we start analyzing every single thing, it takes the pleasure out of life. <laughs> yes, I agree so much. And Anna, it also causes people to, because, and I feel like this is why they're doing this in the college era. I think that it's causing and teaching our young people to analyze, well, and, and I've come across this already with close friends and family members. Well, is this really necessary in the United mm-hmm. States of America? Or did this mm-hmm. really happen in the, well, this did not happen because this person said it did not, or this person, or da-da-da-da. Mm-hmm. And not only about our country, 
and the and the the um my word my brain just went blank what word am i looking for the um history history and what our country was founded upon but now they do it with the bible and the word of god and so they logic and analyze that's it and that's what their whole point is is to teach them better believe we don't have to do that i can take this out and that's where it's vital that we as parents step in and teach no 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 we don't analyze the word of god when the word of god says thou shalt not it means thou shalt not we trust god we know that he wrote the book. He put it on people's hearts and laid it on their hearts. Mm-hmm. And that's what it says. And we obey it without question, without fear, without doubting. We do it because the word says it and God will honor us for it. Sarah, you hit the nail on the head with one word you said right there. I know we're kind of getting in a deeper discussion on this one, but I feel like it's important. We trust Absolutely. God. That's the whole point yes. of analyzing everything to death is yes. to destroy faith. And to destroy right. our ability to trust. Because if we can put questions in young people's minds, and if secular education can put questions in young people's mind about the valid authority of something, right. then that individual Absolutely. will never individual will never trust that. Mm-hmm. That whatever it is, whether it's a historical document or it's the Bible, if we can yes. make them question enough and put enough questions in their mind that we we destroy their ability to trust and we yes. make them reason and i know the bible says come now let us reason together we can qualify everything and we can have a conversation on that right. another day i'll dig into that right. with you let's talk apologetics bring it you know absolutely i, I do this stuff for a living <laughs> yeah. yes you want to have a debate i'll debate no I'm <laughs> <laughs> and i'll send them to you to debate because i hate to debate <laughs> But I do know one thing. I love God and I love his word and I trust him. (laughs) Exactly right. And so at the end of the day, that's why it's very important for parents to be involved in their child's education. Education is a threefold cord. And it is God. It is the child. Well, of course, it's God, but it's it's the 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 child and the parents, the school and God. The teachers, the child and the parents and God together. And you have to have those three components of that threefold cord working together to really make sure that your child has a sound and a secure education. And and that threefold cord cannot be quickly broken. And so what we do is we, that goes back to the world, the biblical worldview. We teach everybody, the children, we teach our children from young age to filter everything through the word of God. And Absolutely. we teach them to pray because when you're put on the, when you're put in an atmosphere where you're taught to question everything, you mm-hmm. have to pray to think in your Holy Ghost mind yes. and to keep your faith strong. And so the root well, of all that, Sarah, really it is, it's to destroy trust and it's dis- it's to destroy faith. It's to say, do they really know what they were talking about? Did they really do this? Uh-huh. And a friend of mine at Wilson told me one day, he said, they're just chipping away, just chipping away at the foundations of truth. And as you keep chipping away with all your questions and all of a sudden this starts sliding. Yeah, that Bible didn't really mean it when it said that. And you just keep chipping away. And then pretty soon, oh, the Bible didn't really mean it when it said that either. And you just keep chipping away. And oh, baptism in Jesus name just really Mm -hmm. isn't necessary for salvation. You keep chipping away. Oh, repentance of sins. You know, the apostle Peter, he was just preaching to that day. So you uh-huh. see that it's a slippery slide. So it's, it it's important to, to get that in the right perspective. And like you said, for parents and, and teachers and librarians, Christian school librarians to really be yes. involved in helping be children involved. navigate those and students navigate those waters. Absolutely. And I think if we don't, Anna, then we will lose our children and our teenagers because when they learn to become like that and they learn to question everything, like you said, one, it tears out their foundation. So there's no foundation of truth in them because now they're questioning everything. And two, they have no trust in God because they've learned to question everything and they have no trust in authority because they've learned to question all authority. Right. And it creates confusion in their mind. And Anna confusion is not of God. It's not the of Bible God. clearly says God is not the author of confusion. And so if it's creating confusion 
then we should not be partaking in it. And let me, let me just throw this out there just as a thought to ponder. You don't have to feed into it tonight, but just a little nugget to take away for all of our listeners. Look at the people that question everything compared to the people that have faith. Yes. And then tell me which ones are the happiest. You're right. Yeah. Look at their face. Look at their life. Look at how they interact with others. What they respond to. Are they happy all the time? Are they angry about everything? Do they mm-hmm. always have a comeback? Do they, are they ever satisfied? It's just, it's been an interesting little study of my own. I've been doing this last year. So anyway, that's just Absolutely. a little nugget to chew on and, and to ponder and to do a little research on. Yes. And that ties right in with one of my points here that I have on this wholesome reading guideline. I put um, as one of my points, if it is educational, Mm -hmm. use it only to complete your classes. That's mostly for high school and college students. And pray, pray, pray for God to protect and cover your mind with his precious blood. And here's super, super important. This is very important. And here's another thing. If it's educational and it's ungodly, don't do it. Go yes. to your instructor and tell them, Absolutely. I don't feel comfortable doing this. Now we're talking for students who may not be in a Christian school. If a Christian school has something that's that risque, yes, then it, then shouldn't, really be used, some... it shouldn't be used to start with. And I if agree. it pops up in the curriculum, then you might need to re-look at your curriculum. Okay. And I'm not talking about biology and science stuff, life and reproduction and all that kind of thing comes up in education. That's life. But if anybody who's a public school educator or a college instructor knows what I'm talking about when I come to this point here, because in public schools, kids are asked to read unbelievable stuff right now. Crazy. Absolutely. I was sharing with some friends, um, Sarah, I think you were a part of the conversation because we were talking about Antonia doing literature literary analysis a couple weeks ago. Yes. And when I went to, um, when I was working on my undergraduate degree, I had a, uh, um, a literature course and it was basically literary analysis. I don't remember the exact title of the course, but it was a literature course. And the first day of class, our assignment, our teacher contacted us all and said, you're going to be required to watch silence of the lands. And Mm -hmm. I was like, Silence of the Lambs, what is that? You know, we didn't grow up watching TV. And I had worked in a secular college then for like, for probably three to four years. And I'd worked in secular jobs since I was 17, you know? And so it wasn't that I wasn't exposed, but I just didn't make it a habit of knowing all the TV shows and movies. It wasn't like I had never watched one before. Unfortunately, I wasn't always a perfect kid, but that wasn't on my radar. And so... I started asking the students at the college where I worked, which was a different college, what is Silence of the Lambs? And they said, Anna, Ms. Anna, that's what they called me, Ms. Anna, you don't know what Silence of the Lambs is? That is a horror flick. And so I asked them, what is it about? At that point in time, I was doing football study group. So I had 40 to 80 football players every day for football study group. So one day I asked my football study guys, so what is it about? I don't even know, you know, what it's about. And they Mm -hmm. said, they started telling me and girl, I was horrified. It's about a guy named Hannibal that kills people. And I don't want to get too gross, but he committed cannibalism and kept him locked in cages and all kinds of crazy things. So I was, I immediately thought in my mind that wasn't the first time I'd been challenged in college. We'll have to have a conversation about mm-hmm. that another day. But um, right. But I immediately made up in my mind, I am not putting that in my brain. I lived by myself right. at the time. I had my own apartment. And, you know, it's kind of creepy when you live by yourself anyway, you know. And right. I thought, <laughs> <laughs> I don't do well with horror stuff anyway. I don't read horror books. Mm-hmm. I just was never into things like that because we weren't raised around it. And um, no. So I immediately made up my mind that I was not going to watch that movie. I thought if if mm-hmm. I have to flunk the class, I'm not watching this movie. Yes. So I contacted my teacher and I told him that I would be unable to make the class session that day, but that I would write the paper. And so what I did is I went and 
I was an adult. I was in my 30s. I would not recommend this for a 15-year-old. But I was in my 30s and I had a strong walk with God and a little bit more mature. And I used the cliff notes because he would not allow me to do anything else for my assignment. I asked him to assign Mm -hmm. me something else. And he wouldn't. And I could have made a big deal out of it. I probably should have went to the dean and said, you know, this is against my religious beliefs and I'm just not going to do this. But I was about 33 at the time, 32 or 33. And so I prayed and I thought, how can I do this without exposing myself to the junk and from an educational perspective? And Uh the thought cliff notes dropped in my mind. And cliff notes are notes that people use when they're writing a paper um, and right. they don't want to read the whole book. They don't have time to read the whole book. And yes. so they use cliff notes to get a general understanding of the subject matter. And so I didn't know there were cliff notes for movies. And maybe Silence of the Lamb was a book before it was a movie. I have no clue. I didn't do that much research into it. And if I did, I don't even remember it now. It was so many years ago. But um, right. I used the cliff notes. And I wrote a good paper on it. And I made an A on it. But um, I made up my mind. I was not watching that. And I let my teacher know, I'm not watching this. So I said all that to say for a student who may not be in a Christian school, if you feel uncomfortable, ask them to assign you something different or ask them to give you a list of choices. And I have done that before in a psychology class. I asked the teacher, I don't watch those types of things. I don't read that type of stuff. Can you give me a list of choices? And she did. She was really nice. She gave me a list of 10 choices and I chose something Mm -hmm. off the list to do in place of. And so- Try that approach. I agree. And I think that ties right in with another one of my guidelines that I had typed up was, am I staying balanced? You know, um, I think it's huge that we stay balanced in our reading. Um, And I put on here as a side note, am I reading all fluff or am I just reading all spiritual or am I reading all self-help or all educational or am I staying well-rounded? Because I think we need to be well-rounded, even as apostolics. I don't think that everything has to be so spiritual that we're no earthly good. And I also don't think that everything should be so carnal that we're no spiritual good. I agree. That's excellent. I think that's great. Even in our teaching. Absolutely. You know. 100%. I totally agree with that. um, Another one I had on here is, is it age appropriate? Does it target the audience that I will be reading to as a teacher or an instructor or allowing to read, such as our children, our teenagers, um, even our students, you know, um, it should be age appropriate always. I think that now, you know, and here's where I think you have to be balanced. You know, some kids like, like I'm an adult, I'll be 50 years old in September, Anna, and I love sitting down and reading a good Dr. Seuss. Oh, me too. (laughs) To be honest, I like to read it out loud because it's just a good down thing Mm -hmm. for my brain Mm -hmm. it's something I don't have to like overthink it's something I don't have to be super engaged in but it's fun it's silly and I love to read it to kids kids love it Mm -hmm. because it's off the wall it's out of the box it's totally out there the pictures are cute and funny and crazy and it's a wonderful way to teach kids and talk about certain things yes um so you know I think that's a big thing is making sure it's age appropriate, but also not being such a stick in the mud that we can't like let our hair down and just enjoy something that's just silly or not so strictured. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Age appropriate is vital too, especially if you're a librarian or a teacher, because if you want to keep the attention of your audience, then the best way to lose the attention of your audience is to try to read to them something that's way over their head. For example, Mm -hmm. I would not read to a class of five-year-olds a Search for Truth Bible study. That is just ridiculous. (laughs) Remember, we had somebody that did that. (laughs) And they had the best intentions at heart, and they were so pure, and they were so well-intending. But But those poor little kids. (laughs) We about went cross-eyed from trying to figure out what was going on. I can't even think who, like, who is Mephibosheth at five years old? You can't even hardly, who is Mephibosheth? <laughs> right. To say the word properly. <laughs> you know, not that children are dumb. They're smarter every day, especially nowadays with all the things available to them. But, um, absolutely. But seriously. I mean, think about that. If you want to be a good teacher and you're homeschooling your kids yes. and 
or you want to make a fun family night and you're reading, you're reading, um, <laughs> you're reading, uh, oh goodness, I don't know, the Strong's Concordance to your family of 10, 11, and 12 year olds, they're probably not going to enjoy themselves right. very much. <laughs> right. Oh my word. <laughs> Oh, that's so huge to me. I think you have to be, you know, age appropriate. Absolutely. <laughs> Except when um, you're an adult. And then, I have... <laughs> then you can read all the yeah. kids' books you want. <laughs> right. Mindless. Especially if you need a good stress <laughs> a reliever. A way to disengage. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I have two last points that I put in here, and they're pretty intense. Um, I'm going to read the one first because I think it's probably the most important point of all the most important guideline is would Jesus read this book out loud to children, teenagers or adults or sitting right here beside me? Would he read this book while I'm reading it? I think that's huge. Yes. That is so good, sir. And that's so Um, important. Yeah. Because, you know, um, I think that's where that scripture comes in. I will set no wicked thing before mine right. eye. I think is it evil or wicked? I think. I'm not sure. It says, but... yes, Psalms 101, 3, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. Um, I think that's massive. And so long we were taught, you know, and preached, everybody preached that was just TV. But I think that has to do with what we read, whether it's books, magazines, articles, even news stuff, Anna, oh, absolutely. because there's so much wicked stuff right mm-hmm. now that um, it can cause you to go into major depression, oppression. Um, it can cause you to be angry. It can put hate and bitterness mm-hmm. in your heart. So true. So I think it's huge that we are very, very careful. And then also that referred me to Psalms 141 and four that says, incline not my heart to any evil thing yes. to practice wicked works with men that work iniquity and let me not eat of their dainties. Mm. And what are we doing when we read? Mm-hmm. We're ingesting. We're so eating true. what we're reading. And you have to remember that old saying, trash in is trash out. So if, Absolutely. if that's what we're filling our lives with and, and think about this parents and teachers and, and librarians in the context of technology in general nowadays, because all of our kids have access to phones, iPads, laptops, whatever. And in school, a lot of them are online for their work. And hopefully if they're online and they're doing something such as Ignitia or whatever the case is, there are filters on whatever they're working on so that they can't just randomly research stuff and get into stuff. Hopefully schools and homeschooling parents are being cognizant of that and and protective in those areas we are going to hope they are and act as though they are but think about um the things that a child could see in a moment's notice on a phone scrolling through instagram it's dangerous go it's hugely dangerous popular page you know you pop on the popular page and Man, you're taking your you're taking your own innocence in your hands, let alone a little child playing on their parents' home phone or their parents' device yes. and getting into something on Instagram or Facebook. Because if you follow people in the world, what they look at pops up. And so right. it's just there. And so innocence can be lost in a moment. So trash in is trash out. You know, you just have to think about that. Absolutely. Yes. And that's even girl just going. It disgusts me if I go into the app store to look up something Mm -hmm. to get an app, you know, with my Android phone. And I'm sure it's the same way with Apple. It disgusts me what pops up. And it's just Satan is a slick Satan. Or you go into the iTunes store or onto Spotify. Yes. You have to watch everything, Sarah. It's just really sad and ridiculous. You have to just guard yourself and keep on scrolling, you know, and what a sad world it is when your motto is keep scrolling, Betsy, keep scrolling. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Or just shut it off, period, you know, just shut it off. Absolutely. And I have a quote to go with. Just turn it off. Here's one of my favorite quotes. I was going to save it for the end, but um, let me see if I can, my phone locked me out. So this is from, this is from Roald Dahl of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. He says, so please, oh, please, we beg, we pray, go throw your TV set away. And in its place, you can install a lovely bookshelf on the wall. 
And so, mm-hmm. you know, now I know that's not a scriptural quote, but I've always liked that quote. Hey, so please, yes. oh, please, we beg, we pray, go throw your TV set away. And in its place, you can install a lovely bookshelf on the wall. And so you could say in place of that, oh, so please, oh, please, we beg, we pray, go throw your phone or iPad away. Yes. <laughs> and in its Absolutely. place, you can install a lovely bookshelf on the wall. How much more yes. would we generate? imagination you know in ourselves and our families i agree and in our students if we would start getting back to just reading a good old book that's so true anna and since you said that i remember just a quick story um years ago when kyle was really little and i think he had gone to either preschool or i don't know exactly if it was preschool or kindergarten or maybe even first grade and before marsha and greg began to homeschool and I think it was Marsha that told me that one of his teachers came to her in one of the parent teacher conferences or something and said, Kyle has one of the best imaginations of any child I have ever taught. Does he not watch TV? Do you not watch TV? Or why does he have such a good imagination? And Marsha told her, we don't have a TV. We don't watch TV. He reads, we read books to him. We show him books and we show pictures and we talk about them. And his imagination grows from that. And that teacher said, well, whatever you're doing, just keep doing it. Yes. And so I think that is huge. You know, that's super important. Yes, I agree. That is so good. One last point that I have here, and this is something very adamant in my heart. And I know we're down to the wire now but I think it needs to be discussed is um, one of my most important points here is, does it deal with a quote spirit unquote world? If it teaches any principle about humans or children working in a spirit world, is it coming from a biblical perspective or a demonic perspective? And then I put in parentheses, I will not even touch a book if it is in a new age Zen, fantasy fiction, or mythology genre area of a bookstore, because I don't even want to take a chance. I think that's good, Sarah. That reminds me, you know, being an avid reader growing up, I got into, I ran across a book probably when I was 12 or 13 on um, Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz. So some Mm -hmm. people are going to be probably safe. And I come on, you got to be kidding me. But I ran into a book about Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz. And it was a part of a series. And the first book uh-huh. was very innocent. It was the story of Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz. It was the story of mm-hmm. the brave-hearted lion. And, or, the, or, not, or not the brave-hearted lion, the brave, the tin man who wanted a heart. And the lion yes. who wanted courage, right? If I remember right. right. And their journey. Yes. And of course there was a witch in it, a wicked witch and a, and, and an, a good witch in it, because that's the story of Dorothy and the wizard of Oz. It just is what it is. And right. so I read that book and I didn't feel bad about reading that book because we'd heard it. And, you yes. know, we had a good balance in our home of worldview that if we had any questions, we could ask mom and dad and they would help us navigate those yes. waters. So I found out it was a series and I was an avid, avid reader. And so I got the second book in the series and the second book was about um, the good witch. And mm-hmm. so that book was, it was okay, but there was getting to be some hmm, kind of supernatural creepy things taking place in it. And then yes. the third book was about the bad witch. And mm-hmm. that book, whoo, at 13 years old, Something inside of me just wasn't feeling comfortable with that book. And I was only probably 13 years old legitimately at the time. And about halfway through the book, I remember going to mom and saying, I can't read this, mom. This is Mm -hmm. creeping me out because, you know, I had seen demons cast out of people. Absolutely. By that time, we'd had a couple people in our church that had experiences with yes. demonic activity, and I'd seen it live and in action. <laughs> Those were back yes. in the days, and it is a real when theme. demons didn't come to church dressed in suits, looking all pretty. They came, and they uh-huh. they were they were evil, 
And I, yes. And I mean, I could tell you some stories. I saw the doors to the sanctuary swing open one night as spirits left, and there was not yes. a single person standing anywhere near those doors. <laughs> right. Amen. <laughs> I was about nine or 10 years old. And so when I was reading that book, I thought they're writing about this like it's fiction, but this is not fiction. This is legit. <laughs> and as right. I began reading the book, I thought, mm, I can't open myself up to that, even as a young person. And so I think it's very important, even more so nowadays. Um, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of people have different philosophies. Some people say, oh, it's just imagination. Well, I think that, like you said earlier, too, I don't remember which one of your points this was. But if at any point in time, your spirit feels checked, I think you should listen to your spirit that feels checked before you listen to anybody telling you it's just imagination. It's just a book because the Holy Ghost won't lead you wrong. And so the Holy Ghost puts a check mark in your spirit and says, "Hmm, not really sure about that. Then, you know, it's Uh probably best to err on the side of caution. Why destroy innocence that doesn't need to be destroyed? And why open somebody up to something that you might think, oh, it's innocent for me, but what if it's not so innocent for them? And so that's kind of my take on that. I agree 100%. And with that, I added here that as a parent and an educator, I highly recommend not allowing your child, tween or young teens or even teenagers, older teenagers, to go into the library or bookstores alone because the libraries and the bookstores, as well as our education halls have an agenda and it's not a godly agenda because when you go in those bookstores, just take a stroll as a parent or as an educator by yourself. Don't do it with your kids. Yes. Go into a bookstore, go into a library in the children's department And just take a stroll and look at all of the books that they're displaying in the new book section. Yes. And the bookstores go to the section where it says fantasy or it says mythology or it says new age in the children's section. Or it says sexuality, Sarah. Let's just call it for what it is. Yes, exactly. And just look at it. Don't touch it. Just look at it and look at the things they have displayed that you can buy. I'm talking toys, Mm -hmm. dolls. I went to Barnes and Noble with my husband. Uh, It's been a year now. We went for a date and we said afterwards, you know, we ate and we said, let's go to the Barnes and Noble. I hadn't been there probably two, three years. We went and, you know, Anna, I'm a reader. So we started strolling through. I said, you know what? I'm just going to go peruse the child section and the teenage section. And when I got over there, Now, people may, you know, everybody has their own ideology and whatever, but I, and this is our podcast, so I'm going to say it, okay? It's real talk. It's real conversations. I do not promote anything with Harry Potter. I don't care if people think it's innocent. I know what I've heard, what I've seen with children that I've dealt with in Sunday school, children that I've dealt with teaching as a teacher. I would not promote that for anything in this Barnes and Noble. It was filled in the children's department and in the teenage department with Harry Potter cards, tarot cards, um, gems where you could cast a spell on a friend and it was displayed as toys. It was massive. The whole department was centered around that stuff. That's why our country needs God so desperately it's, right it's now. It's so true. Because they're pumping our children and our teenagers full of that stuff. We do not need to be taking part of no. that. We shouldn't be laughing no. at it. We shouldn't be sloughing it off like it's a joke. And I feel the Holy Ghost while I'm saying this. It's something we should not even touch. We should not go there because the spirit realm is a real place. Yes. Spiritual and demonic. And we should never, ever make it a joke when it concerns our children or our own selves and our own minds. So, and that's interesting you say that, Sarah, because Pastor Young preached a sermon and I cannot remember the name of it for the life of me. So I'm just going to go listen to all the sermons till I find it. He preached it last fall. 
And he talked about this very thing. He said, you know, we all acted like Harry Potter was so innocent. He said, Mm -hmm. and you know, it was imaginary and blah, 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 so on and so forth, whatever he said. He said, but what happened was those children that were reading Harry Potter became indoctrinated with Harry Potter. Absolutely. Girl, they were in, yes. do- they were, they paid to see the movies. They had the whole oh, yes. book collections. They dressed up like Harry Potter for Halloween and they got so intrigued with the supernatural, right? So they became so just consumed with the spirit world because of the powers of Harry Potter. And they wanted those same powers. Well, guess what happened, Sarah? Those children Mm -hmm. grew up to be adults. Think about how long Harry Potter's been around now. And they had children. And they wanted their children to be connected to what? The supernatural. Mm -hmm. So absolutely. Just a little study if you're an adult on how fast Wicca is growing right now in America and across Uh the world. Because all those Harry Potter children grew up to be adults that they want supernatural power, but nobody talked to them about God. They talked to them about Harry Potter magic and dark magic. And so they think the supernatural power lies in the dark magic. And in Uh that world, and so they're becoming Wiccans. And girl, when you look at a lot of the things that are going on the world in the world right now, yes, Wicca is behind a lot of it. Yes, they are. A lot of yes, they are. And the Wiccans, they are proud. They are they are working to seduce children and indoctrinate children. Yes. So you know, when you think something like that is innocent, it might be innocent for you, an adult. That's why I said what I said a minute ago. An adult maybe, maybe able to handle it. But remember, you're indoctrinating your 10-year-old child with that stuff. And why even take the why chance? Why even take the chance? You know, why, why not indoctrinate the them with books about Jesus and stories about Jesus yes. and authors about Jesus? And if there's not enough, enough authors out there, come on, Apostolics, let's start writing. And I'm preaching to the choir now. But we need apostolic <laughs> writers. And it doesn't have to be boring because you're an apostolic. Right. I agree 100%. And I think that takes me right back, Anna, to that scripture, Psalms 141.4. Incline not my heart to any evil thing to practice wicked works with men that work iniquity and let me not eat of their dainties. I think that's good. I think that says it quite sufficiently. Well, I've enjoyed visiting with you tonight. Um, There is attached to this that we just went through all these guidelines that I made for Sister Westberg for the Christian school there. Um, And of course, you know, I'm not professional. I don't have a degree. I do have a degree. I have an associate's degree and I have almost my bachelor's degree. You don't have to qualify any of that. (laughs) What you made was important, so you don't have to qualify any of that. You've been teaching for many, many years, and your fruit speaks for itself. Now, some of our readers and listeners may not know about your fruit, but Sarah has taught in the public school. She's taught in the church school. She actually has been licensed to run a preschool in the state of Kansas. So when she's talking on here, she knows what she's talking about. So, So she doesn't have to qualify herself. I'll just tell you for her. (laughs) Um, attached to this, I have, um, like different sources to find good, clean books. I have book recommendations, and I also included some that are written by some apostolic authors. And I have it all organized by ages, like five to seven, um, ages eight to 11. I know that's probably not like the actual ages, but some can be, you know, they can cross over to different age groups. Um, and we can, I can send you this if you want to attach the link where they can download it and print it. I'll be happy to do that. And then um, anything that has an asterisk or a star beside it is actual apostolic authors. And um, so that's available if anybody's interested in that for reading books. Um, I've actually got the title of the book and the author. So it makes it easier to find them. And, you know, of course, this is just my personal 
um, list of books that I enjoy reading and that I have used. And so if you have convictions against it, go with your conviction because that's who you're going to answer to God for, you know, is what you're going to answer to God for is your personal conviction. Um, but it is available. And I also have some links here um, to uh, use to find good, clean books that are used for a lot of homeschoolers. A lot of homeschoolers use these links to find books. So. Sarah, thank you for creating that. And thank you for sharing that with us tonight. I think that will be a valuable resource to teachers and librarians and parents alike. And thank you to Sister Westberg, if you're li listening in, for encouraging Sarah to share that, because I think that opens a good conversation in the day and age that we're living in. And um, books are so important, and we need to be reading yes. more than we are uh, scrolling. <laughs> and Amen. that when we yes. are reading, we need to make sure that we're reading the right things. And books Amen. are an education all of their own. So thank you for taking the time to create that and for pouring your time and energy into that. And I know you feel passionate about that. So thank you for sharing that with us tonight. You're welcome. I enjoyed it. I hope all of our listeners enjoyed it too. Yes, ma'am. All right. Well, thank you all for listening in and have a wonderful week with your family. Yes. And we'll sign off for now and see you next